Welcome back to season three of Flop Stars. If you've joined us for the previous two seasons, it's much the same. We'll take an album that we feel was criminally underrated or ignored on the charts and unpack it. We've taken on the likes of Charlie XCX, Carly Rae Jepsen, Taylor Swift and Katy Perry in the past, and there's plenty more where that came from on this season. This week, we're focusing on a relatively new record. Rina Sawayama's debut, Sawayama, isn't even a year old yet, but it's already caused a stir. The full-length debut from the ambitious pop artist landed her on critics' radar all around the world and found her a cult fan base of devoted fans. The chart love hasn't happened just yet, though, and on this episode, we discuss why. Good afternoon, Nick. Oh, good morning, Nick. Good afternoon for me. We've only done this podcast at this time around 36 times, and I'm glad we're starting to understand the way that time zones work. Exactly. Yeah, it's always a very interesting conversation to have. What time is it there? I love that. I love that. What's the weather like? <laughs> Yesterday it was so hot in Sydney and in Australia that my the blue tack that holds up the strip lighting in my office melted and the strip lighting all fell down. That's how hot it was yesterday. Really? Yes. Oh my goodness. I can't imagine. It's obviously very cold here and now we've entered into the trap of talking about the weather in the first minute of this podcast. I knew we would. And it's really relevant information for our Polish listener. Um, (laughs) Once again, thank you to our Polish listener for your work. We appreciate you. (laughs) And also, I think now I am in the dominant um, country because we have more US listeners than Australian listeners now, which is good But for all those obscure Australian listeners, Australian references that we throw into the podcast. I I can't believe we have more US listeners now. It's marginal. There's a fair contingent of Aussies. Um, But you've clearly been out there handing out flyers with a QR code on them, pushing people to the podcast on the streets of New York in a pandemic how dare you exactly i've been hustling hard to get my listenership up it's a competition now the street team is really strong in new york (laughs) i think though this is good timing to do an episode like Mm. this nick because it's someone who falls on common ground on neutral ground yeah Uh, japanese born brit rena sawayama and her debut album sawayama Elated that we're doing this episode. I think we've been talking about doing Sawayama for a while now and something more hashtag topical pops up every now and then and it always gets pushed back down the running running order. But we've always yeah. wanted to visit this because there's so much to unpack in terms of the pop star, the record, the songs and how much they reinvent the wheel at the same time as throwing back to some stuff that we, I think, you know, we, we've really focused on in the past. You know, there's mm. elements of that, you know, Christina Aguilera sound, there's that Timberland JT sound on, 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 on certain songs. And then there's also that kind of like Avril Lavigne angsty, you know, emo yeah. feel to them, but they're all centered in this wonderful pop sound with lots and lots of personality. Um, and really excited to dive into this for a pop star that's been working her ass off for years and, and has a body of work that just is so her. Yeah, it's one of those projects that needed to be released to be understood. Like, there was never going to be hype gathering beforehand. Obviously, she had her fans and she's been slowly 
gathering quite a strong fan base, but it felt like once this album was released, everyone got it and were like, oh my God. And they started talking about it. Obviously, Soeyama was up the top of nearly every critic's list last year. Um, the pop stands have come in hard for her. The kind of pop heads, like um, Twitter fans, the Charlie XCX, Carly Rae, Gaga stands are all for Rena. And now yeah. it feels like she's building a very worthy... Um, little but growing army all based on the strength of this record because it is a a wall-to-wall banger of a record very good words I think yeah she's really won over those pop nerds but also I think she represents a kind of artist that I don't think we've seen before you know I can't Mm. think of a, a sort of Japanese born you know western living kind of pop young pop star that's that's been around um to date and at least made you know songs and, and sounds that are as broad as this um but still yeah. so centered in pop and and i love this and i think you know part of what makes this album great is a lot of the songs on it lyrically are about you know family and identity um and, yeah. and learning, learning who you are and learning you know when you've got all these different parts that make you you who you actually are because you're being pulled and prodded in all these different directions and being you know pigeonholed into certain things and, and pushed into certain boxes and here's Rena trying to kind of pull in the elements of those boxes that make her her um yeah and and talk about herself in full and put a wonderful pop sound around it that also kind of pulls you know sonically at different boxes and makes them into you know one sound yeah. that's her as well but we need to talk about its flop stars credibility um for the for the show because yeah. um despite it being you know do you want to maybe go through some of the things people said about it? Because there's some pretty kind comments from her fellow artists um, that came through and, and a strong Metacritic score as well. Yeah, well, I think uh, if we can go back to the reason why we started this podcast and what its ethos was at the beginning, it was to look at pop records that were very well respected by critics but and their fans but failed to gain much love on the charts. And as it's gone on, we've kind of moulded that and we've changed it a little bit. And we've done records like Bionic by Christina Aguilera or Rude Box by Robbie Williams that certainly (laughs) didn't really rank it up there with the critics, but we felt necessary to discuss anyway. But this, Rina Soyama is a real throwback to our initial vibe of flop stars. Yeah, the album has an idea. Exactly. The album has an 89 on Metacritic. It appeared on End of Year List by Pitchfork, NME, The Guardian, NPR. Pitchfork also put Bad Friend in their best songs list. The Guardian went for XS. Um, and Elton John was over the moon about the record. He made sure to tell Dua Lipa who Rina Sawayama was during a live stream conversation and then went on to call her to call the album one of the best of the year so far and also labelled Bad Friend a song Madonna would die for, which is a comment that I find quite interesting because of all the songs on the album, Bad Friend is not the one I would pick for Madonna. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely felt like it could be a Madonna album track that she'd die for. Um, That that kind of felt like it could fit for Madonna. I think the other interesting thing about that Elton co-sign is there was some, a a lot of consistent love for for her from Elton. And I remember even when the Mercury Prize announcement happened, uh, it was either the Mercury Prize or the Grammys announcement happened and she wasn't included in in the finalist list. Um, or maybe she would... Yeah, no, I don't think she got nominated for the Mercury. No, she wasn't. It was fucked, the circumstances. Yeah. 
she wasn't allowed to, she wasn't eligible for um, nomination, I think because of her citizenship or, or something like that. Just insane. There was, there was some, yeah, it's crazy though. Despite being a British artist living on, living in Britain. Anyway, um, he came out. I'm trying to find out. out what the circumstances was, but I think that's what it was. Look at you pulling the Mercury Prize into disrepute. Um, Elton came out <laughs> and said, you know, this is ridiculous and that it was, you know, the best British album of the year and it should, you know, it just needs to be included and the rules are there to be broken. And, yeah, I really like it yeah. when, you know, an artist, and Elton, Elton has been consistent with this, he'll find an artist, back them in and then continue to back them in, you know, not yeah. just play them on his radio show. He'll actually become, you know personally involved in the project and he'll you know open the doors that need to be open for artists that he truly believes in and um i think for you know for someone like elton to do that you know so consistently over his his career and continue to do it today um is such a special thing it's very impressive very impressive but um despite all the praise that rena got from elton and the like the album didn't light up the charts at all really um, and she hasn't really penetrated the commercial or mainstream space yet, I wouldn't say. No. Um, and I'm not sure whether that's, that was her intent to do so. It certainly would have been a nice cherry on top if something like Excess or Bad Friend was to slip into the charts. I think yeah. it would do so in the UK. Um, but this is not an album, even though it is definitely a pop record and it's steeped in um, lots of influences from Chris, like Christine Aguilera, like you said, to Gaga, to Charlie XCX. It's got all those influences in it, but it's definitely an experimental record and not the type that you would expect to see sitting at the ch- at the <clears throat> top of the charts. I don't think. Oh, I don't know if I hundred percent agree on that. I think there's a lot of really? elements. Yeah, I think there's a lot of elements of these pop songs that feel. As I said, there's a familiarity to pretty much everything on this record in some way or another. I, I don't think it ties all together in one consistent, you know, it's not like a chromatica where everything is sort of thematically linked. Yeah. There's definitely some differences in the sound. But, you know, in terms of the singles, at least, there's some very familiar sounds on there and some comfortable sounds that, you know, my radio brain or my A&R brain goes... I would definitely, you know, consider that to be a chart-worthy song and at least pick the yeah. kind of interest that allows d- an album like this to chart. I definitely agree there are moments on there that are very mm. chartable. Yeah. Um, I just don't think Rena's marketed as that kind of, you know, as that, like, chart-topping artist. And there are yep. some really strange moments on this album when you consider them in the context of mainstream pop, like Who's Gonna Save You Now or... um shut the fuck up, like the heavy metal one. There are just some, like, she just pushes, she just turns the nozzle all the way up and goes full on on lots of moments, which is really good and it's really exciting, but it doesn't necessarily always lend yourself to being palatable to a um, sometimes beige mainstream audience. Yeah, true. I think, look, I think as well, though, there's an element of, of something like shut the fuck up which, you know, reminds me of some of the stuff that Gaga's done in the past. And I think Gaga's yeah. big, big reference point that you can place on this project, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of music on there that kind of feels like, you know, Chromatica's cousin um, at points. But I also think, you know, there's elements of it that remind me of Born This Way, one of my favourite albums of all time. And I look at, you know, STFU next to, you know, Heavy Metal Lover or, or something, and I think, you know, there's parallels to be drawn there. And I think you yeah. can do both. I think you can, you can release those songs like Excess and Condé Garcon and 
you know, those more core kind of pop records and then, you know, have that edge if people want to get invested through those accessible pop songs, have that edge that then, you know, tells them a little bit more about who you are. I think that can still exist in 2020 and I hope, and 2021, and I hope it can. Yeah. Actually, now you put it under the lens of Gaga, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't actually thought of the parallels between them other than, um, Blood Pop producing on Lucid, but it actually does make a lot of sense. There is a lot of parallels to be drawn between Art Pop and Born This Way, particularly. Um, And the way that they kind of delve into lots of different pop influences and are not afraid to go to the areas that are often seen as a little too much by most artists. And I think there's definitely moments on this album that are too much in the best way possible. Like, there's howling guitars and, like crazy vocals and just re- some like really maximalist production that i haven't heard um in pop music in a long time yeah it's a really exciting record speaking of howling by the way that police car is coming to arrest you for your thoughts i'm gonna make that joke every time i hear a police car in the background the, the classic <laughs> new york pause of a police car coming through i'm gonna make it's a joke that the ambulance because we're in the midst of a pandemic here. oh that's actually okay that's a, no forgotten. that's a good point i'm very sorry <laughs> i'm not... kidding i think it, i think it is a police car <laughs> i just want to make you feel bad well you know um, how in australia they all sound different like and there's like a, an ambulance sound and a police sound and a fire sound well, you can kind of tell the difference I think that's the same here, but it's hard to tell because they're so fucking loud that by the time they've <laughs> crossed your ears, like you're already deaf to it. Yeah. Um, anyway, not the point. <laughs> not the point at all. <laughs> when is it ever the get, point? This is pop stars. Get, get back to this brilliant album. <laughs> um, I want to like throw it right back to, to before this record dropped. What do you think the feelings were around Rena to maybe like casual fans of say Charlie XCX or Carly Rae Jepsen what what do you think the buzz was for this album yeah I think I think to those kind of fans and and that's probably a kind of entry point for a lot of her current fans was probably through folks like like Charlie and and Carly and you know maybe if you were a fan of sort of that British you know edgy hyper pop kind of world of, of the PC music yeah. types and Sophie and Danielle Hall I think maybe mm. you'd found Rena through that um, the other the other key point of entry I think for fans with Rena is um, is through the 1975 and through Maddie. Um, because obviously Rena's signed to signed to the Dirty Hit record label, um, a, yeah. a wonderfully curated, really fascinating record label that's um, that's a venture between between um, Jamie O'Born, who is the 1975's kind of dude, um, and and of course Maddie from the band, um, and they find really really interesting artists that they really like and bring them through that ecosystem and then support them um, from a promotional perspective as well. So yeah, there's a few different points of entry here. And I think she probably was seen as kind of being this, you know, it's hard when you're a super fan of someone like Charlie or Carly, you probably see Rena coming through as a threat. Um, and you know, the idea of Rena, you know, coming through and delivering some really good pop records kind of probably frightens you a little bit as a fan of one of those artists. Um, you you would see them as a threat and potentially be turned off by that. But I think 
there was a bit there was enough excitement around the sound that she was going for the honesty on social media the you know the kind of human being that she is um that made this exciting for those fans and definitely at least you know even if they were scared they were going to take over their fave um you know some excitement to check out the music and see if it's see if it's any good and then it obviously ends up being very good which always helps um but yeah i think in terms of like further buzz around rena there's not much outside of the you know the core fandom of that kind of music um yeah that was really all that was was kind of building around her in my opinion i do think though the intensity of the way the way that people are standing rena now is yeah quite a lot like i remember when the the singles were dropping and obviously everyone was kind of like everybody whose ears came across them were like, this is really good. The visuals are great. She's, um, she's like serving exactly what she needs to, but then the album dropped and it like went to another level. Mm. And I think part of that is that it dropped in at the middle of April when, um, as I wrote on the run sheet, everything had turned to shit. Uh, and she was kind of the, (laughs) the only, pop record releasing around that time it was sort of the month that chromatica was meant to drop um and a few others that ended up getting delayed so i think she came through and satisfied that for a lot of people and people rewarded her with their loyalty and now when you go on youtube and look at the the people who react to uh records on that you go to any video and you'll see fans being like, react to Rena, react to Rena, react to Rena. And yeah. they all have ended up reacting to Rena and they've all ended up absolutely loving this like crazy world that she's, that she's put together. So it's just, a, it's been really interesting to watch her spread like wildfire and to see how like diehard these fans are for her. And I think it's like a great sign of, of things to come for her. Um, I think obviously the next move is finding something that really connects at radio and really connects with a broader fan base. And I think Lucid was the kind of attempt to do that. And I think a very, very good attempt as well. Yeah, they gave it a good a good shot with a great producer on it. The song is excellent. Um, it's just, a, I think it's just a hard bump with Rena. I, I think she's... She's potentially what everything that's great about her and everything that, you know, is, you know, takes elements that have already been done but makes them modern again. You know, maybe yeah. that's the trap she also falls into is that the, yeah. the sounds are kind of, you know, too experimental but also too familiar at the same time. It's a really weird dichotomy. Yeah, definitely. All right, um, let's head straight into a game. Let's do it. We've got our song game, as we often do, as yeah. we always do, actually. Yeah. As we constantly um, do. <laughs> It's called Rena and Friends. So basically, I've put a song by Rena up against a song from somebody that she's been connected with in some way. So she may have supported them on tour or mentioned them in lots of interviews or she signed their label, uh, anything like that. Great. Let me guess the 1975s in there somewhere. (laughs) Well, if you'd let me get to the first one. My apologies. (laughs) You go. We have Bad Friend by Rena. Versus Somebody Else by the 1975. So you got a song that Madonna would die for versus a song that I believe Taishi did a cover of. Um, That's a reference point. Somebody Else. Oh, actually, I don't know. Was it like Lord done a cover of Somebody Else? I think so. No, I went for Taishi. I went for Taishi. 
Hey, I'm an indie music Next week's Swap starts. <laughs> Take sheets on <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Please listen. It'll be someone no. big. Um, I don't really care for somebody else in the wider 1975 discography. It's still a good song. Really? Um, but like, oh, but like, you know, it's no the sound. It's no too, if you're too shy. It's no chocolate. It's no see the see the through line here. I'm going for the okay. box. I get the point. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go bad friend. And only because Elton John thinks it should be a Madonna song, and I, w- I want to back in Elton, so I'm going to go with Bad Friend. Okay, yeah. It's definitely the one I'm go- I'd go back to more out of those two, so I'll go Bad Friend. Okay, um, disagree with you on the 1975 thing, but I don't really like the 1975 either. No, you don't strike um, me as a so 1975 fan at all. No, I mean no. they're fine. Somebody else is is definitely my favourite by them. And I think Whoa! it's a great song. Of all the 1975 songs? Yeah, easily. Wow. Like, but I agree if you're too shy is up there. Um, Bad Friend, I think the most accessible moment from the album and the one that I'm surprised didn't end up taking off because it's just yeah. such a good, pure pop song. Also, I feel like one of the main talking points from this album is the things that she ended up writing about are not topics that people usually take on. Like Bad Friend has written about her scrolling Facebook and seeing that one of her close friends who she'd like traveled with and they had all these memories together had had a baby and she didn't even know she was pregnant. So it's, it's just like such a unique perspective that in a, in a genre that's often so like homogenized, um, so I'm going to go Bad Friend as well, but I do like Somebody Else by the 1975. It's a clean sweep for Rena so far. Yeah, she's doing well. Okay, um, next one is Excess. Versus I Really Like You by Carly Rae Jepsen, who is one of Rena's favourite artists. And they were once in a green room together, however they did talk. That sounds about right. I kind of love that. <laughs> She's one of us. Rena's one of us, I've realised. She is. I've had she the pleasure is. of speaking to Rena before, and she's just a very... In an interview that it was will it be up in the next room? Week, it wasn't in a green room. She was in a, in a sort of dark, sort of grey room. It sort of looked like a hotel okay. kind of vibe. Um, okay, so... Um, <laughs> XS, my favourite song, probably my favourite song on the album... Um, and yep. the one that, you know, was destined for, you know, for greatness. I love, you know, it kind of takes me back to that, like, JT, like I love you, flamenco kind of, you know, acoustic pr- production with a bit of, you know, sharp drums on it. Um, I really like you by Carly. That was the one with, the vi- the video for that was the one with, um, with Tom Hanks in it, right? Yeah, that's right. Great, great fun. I remember that coming out and I was like, this is just sweet. This is very nice. I love the song. But I don't know, Excess is pushing some boundaries for me a little bit more. And it's my favourite Rena song, whereas I really like you. It's like maybe top five Carly songs for me. Um, or maybe not even top oh, five. I reckon it even fails to get there. Yeah, it might be too, it's top, I, li- I like it a lot though. So I'm going to go top ten. Yeah. Do you I really, really like, you. like it? I really, 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 really <laughs> like it. Um, I'm going to go Excess. It's two for Rena for me. Wow. Okay. Um, where to start with this matchup? I really like you. I pretty much share your sentiments on it. 
mm. definitely um, a great song, but Carly's got so many of them. Yeah. And the reason I picked it, because there's so many top tier Carly songs that it would have maybe been a... Um, An unfair match. Just Exactly, yeah. And I'm all about being fair in this game. Yes, you are. Excess uh, is such a, such a good song and such like a funny um humorous poke at capitalism i remember when they released the song and i got the press release and i just read all this like shit about it being like a critique of capitalism and i was like oh god give me a break (laughs) um (laughs) listen loved it rena gets it she gets that like people don't want that stuff stuffed down their throats but yeah but like she did it in a really fun way and um really poked fun at pop music while still really appreciating and embracing like all the um kitsch kitschness of pop music uh so i'm gonna go excess as well very good i like what we're talking about here i think we're really on the same page with these so far and i can't wait for that to end probably here um what's our third matchup (laughs) um lucid the the new single from reno Versus 911 by Lady Gaga off Chromatica. Papa 911, my biggest enemy, turning off emotional faders. Um, oh, there's so much. F- 911 is funny to me. Like, I think about that song and I think about like humor and like Twitter memes about 911 yeah. more than I think about so the when, song. So when you think of Chromatica, where do you place 911? Oh, up there. Yeah, like maybe fourth. <laughs> okay. I mean, All right, that's better than I thought. Yeah, like I'd probably go... I'd probably go Rain On Me, Stupid Love, Babylon, 911, to be honest. Okay, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I think, I think that, would be, that would be where I place it. Lucid, and this might because I've had more time with Lucid. I've had less time with Lucid. I was going to um, say, when did you hear Lucid? I've had Lucid in my inbox for years. <laughs> um, look, I love and I love her coming together with Blood Pop. Um, it just no, I haven't had Lucid in my inbox for years. Uh, just m- m- muddle my words up. Um, I'm going to put. <laughs> I really enjoy Lucid. I played it um, at a DJ set for the one of the seven days of dancing that was allowed in the state of New South Wales in Australia where I got to play a DJ set on the first day. <laughs> I played Lucid. I think I mixed it in with Rain On Me. Remember? Yeah, oh, I did. Oh, that's a perfect combination. Do not tell us that right now. I was, I was, the was the loudest I've heard either of those songs is through like a tinny Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> Little Yui Boom situation. <laughs> yeah. um, I, oh, it's, it, this is a hard one. This really is a hard one because I think I've connected more with 911, but that might be time-based. I'm going to go with 911. Okay. Taking the crown away from poor old Rena. I know, I wanted it to be a clean sweep. What about you? Lucid versus 911. Um, yeah, it is uh, kind of on the same page as you again, which yeah. is funny. Yeah. Um, both, uh, also, the connection here is both Blood Pop produced. I thought so. I didn't want to yeah. say it, but I thought so. Yeah, just, just in case people are really sticklers for the rules of this game. Um, 911 probably top two for me on chromatica was my first like immediate favorite on the album yeah like the one that made me really excited about it lucid as soon as i heard it 
it was the kind of song like I remember putting it on with when I was with a group of people and it's the kind of song that everybody asks about straight away like what's this what's it's, this it's fun it definitely yeah. stands out as being very like commercial very easily digestible um, however I wonder like if it was on chromatic or what I would think about it you know because it does yeah. have that kind of similar production um, so I'm gonna go nine one one, but I think Lucid is yes. a is a very valiant job too. So I we're still agree on the same with page. you. Also, you've just highlighted all the like part of the run. Yeah, I don't know why like I did that. Delete it. That's gone now. <laughs> I have removed that. <laughs> That's done. Uh, so we have one more part left, and then we're out of. <laughs> Nick's ready to go. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> No longer about excess on the Here, podcast. This is what we're doing now. We're doing that question and we're done. I've, what I've done there, guys, I've deleted all of the run sheet except for the question, do you think Lucid is an obvious strike at a radio hit? Just for a bit of physical humour on the podcast today. A bit of physical humour, yeah. You'll love when you watch the video version of this. It was a real gag. Absolutely. All right, hit me with the last combination. <laughs> Comme des garçons, which is French for like the boys. Um, versus 1999 by Charlie XCX and Troy Savan. Rena and Troy, I don't think, have anything to do with each other. Uh, Rena supported Charlie on tour when you could still do that. <laughs> when that was a thing that was still possible. Um, well, they're actually your... talking about, just as a little side note, here they're talking about when gigs come back, um, getting rid of the support acts to limit the amount of time that people are in the venue. I thought that was a, a gag on Twitter that they were going to do that. because Was it? There was a joke on Twitter that Dr. Anthony Fauci recommends all gigs start at 6pm and end at 8pm to stop the spread of coronavirus and that all gigs only have... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Headliner, I definitely 45 minutes, no support. Oh, is that what you saw? <laughs> that it was a Fauci idea? Because that was... <laughs> it was definitely Fauci. <laughs> was a, that a gag? It was a gag on Twitter, all the music people were saying. <laughs> Do you think Fauci's Fuck. standing up there a week into the new presidency, getting questions from Fox News and going... Yeah, so we've we've kind of you know we've made some um, we've made some uh, assumptions here that uh, no no support acts. I did wonder why like the people are already in the venue like why limiting it would matter. This is your moment, like mine a couple of weeks ago on the part two rap episode <laughs> where I thought that um, where I thought that Mike Pence had changed his header on Twitter to a picture yeah. of jo- Joe and Jill Biden. <laughs> When it comes to American politics, we should just stop. We don't need to chat about that. It's not on the run sheet. It's not being discussed. Well, but back I'm to this combination. You can, you can delete the rest of the run sheet if you versus, want. Now. See ya. Versus 1999. Um, I still stand 1999. I think it's so well done. It's such a wonderful. You know, I love those pop songs that, you know, have those throwback references in there when they're done well. Um, 2002 by Anne-Marie is another great example, but I think 1999 does it just as well, and Charlie and Troy were just a match made in heaven. Um, yeah. Comme des Garçons, I like. I don't think it's my favourite song on the album, and in fact, there is another song called Comme des Garçons, in brackets like The Boys, by a young singer called Isaac Dunbar, which I prefer. 
to this Comme des Garçons. It came out very, um, very similar times, I think, yeah. if I remember correctly. They did. And I arguably have to say I go to the Isaac version much more and that it sticks really? in my head much more. Really? I'm the opposite. That sounds like you, yeah. Um, <laughs> you would. In what way? You, you would. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go 1999 on this one, Sam. Okay. Uh, both very fun songs. Comme de Garçons kind of the most just like easy to fly by on the album. Like yeah. uh, you can, it's, it runs at one like pretty similar pace, but I feel yeah. like it would go well into like a little daytime pool DJ set or something like that. <laughs> a little, um, <laughs> little Cafe Del Mar moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cafe Del Mar moment. <laughs> 1999 by Charlie and Troy is like so on the nose, but so good at the same time. How's um, it on the nose? Talk to well, me. it's just so you know. It's like it's it's pretty tacky and it's pretty kitsch as well. I love tacky. It's not though. it's not that deep. Yeah, I'm not. I'm saying it as a compliment. If you'd listen for a second, um, so I'm gonna go 1999 by Charlie and Troy. Yeah. Um. With no comments really on Comte de Garçon, <laughs> Cafe Del Mar moment was my the only comment I will make, and no further questions, please. Very fair. Thank you for a great series of matchups there. I enjoyed that. Okay, I'm glad. I'm very glad. Well, do you want to answer your remaining question about whether you think Lucid is an obvious strike at a radio hit? <laughs> the one question. Wait, are the others not coming back for you now? Or have you got everything back? No, they're back. They are oh, back. Good. <laughs> well, my, my, let's, let's go on from Lucid that we were talking about a minute ago. No, I don't honestly think it's an obvious strike. I think it's a nice sort of um, strike at winning over the club kids, maybe, and maybe showing a bit more of that fun side of that kind of yeah. disco side. I think, excuse me, 20, 2021 is the year of house music. Um, that's that's what Zane Lowe has claimed, and I agree with him on that because as we crave that club connection once again and we crave being on the dance floor with people and we crave really? that with the year of house when, music. When we talk about house music, like, what are we talking about? Like, I'll what consider lucid house songs? music in this moment. Yeah. If we're talking okay. about current songs... Like um, Chromatica style. The Chromatica style, Looking For Me by Diplo... Mm-hmm. What other hits are on the radio that sound like that? Um, Lie Like This by Julia Michaels. The you know, new Billie the Eilish and Rosalia song, which doesn't have one have beat, a beat in, in it. at all. <laughs> <laughs> Great song, though. Actually, we should talk Great about that in Flops of the Week. Um, yeah, I think that's probably my... That's probably why I like it, but I don't think it's as strong as a radio single as something yeah. like Excess was, and that's where I think the moment could yeah. have been. You know, if Excess were to come out now, Excess were to come out, say, as the album single, which it kind of was. You know, she did the TV appearances and stuff. I think she did Fallon for Excess, which was a real special moment. Um, Fallon or one of them, one of the one of the Jimmies or Jameses. Um, I think that that yeah, I think that could have been the radio moment. But that's not discounting that actually may have more to come. What do you reckon? Yeah, I feel like if. Um uh, Zoom's just telling my, me my internet connection's unstable. Oh, that's unfortunate. I've still got... Which I've, suits. I've, I've got kind of the best internet I've had from you all episode, just as it tells you that it's Okay, well, that's unstable. interesting. So that's yeah, good. That's good, because I'm feeling quite unstable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where were we? 
<laughs> access. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like it was all about timing and maybe had access been given a push later on. I feel like a little like high profile um feature would have been good for her at this point. Like even mm. throw Charlie XCX on on um excess. I know she did a remix with Brie Runway, but I feel like that's two artists on the rise when she needed to catch one that's like already there, you know. Totally. And I reckon there would um, have been open there would have been openness to that. Even ask your mate Elton to do it. Get Elton to jump can on you it. Imagine? Give me just a little bit more. More. Give me oh me oh my <laughs> I'm thinking of him singing I'm still standing and then doing that voice on the Oh me oh my <laughs> Um, oh, he doesn't have that voice for that anymore. I was thinking more Sign from Above. Would it, well, that's what I was going to say. Wouldn't that have been a great trio of 2020 features? Sign from Above, Learn to Fly by Surfaces, and XS would have been a great trio of Elton songs for the year. <laughs> very good. Very good in the year that he was meant to retire. Wasn't he meant he, to retire? Wasn't that his whole shtick? He the the tour the tour that was meant to carry on into this year is meant to be his farewell tour. Yes, but oh, that's God. now going. That's now been three quarters rescheduled. So he's going to be touring that when he's eighty seven. He was ready to be lying on a beach by the end of last year. I know. And now, now he's probably going to be touring up till twenty thirty. Him and David He'll are like be, bloody hell, bloody hell. Him and his Zimmer frame. Um, <laughs> Lucid, I do think, back to Lucid, I do think it's, um, this is a particularly all over the place. (laughs) Hey, it's like the album. It takes things from different boxes and it pulls them all together in a a manner that's very us. (laughs) Very good. Very good. Uh, Lucid is, I think, the obvious um, radio hit. But considering Chromatica hasn't really been able to pull another radio hit, it's an interesting mm. route to go down. Yeah. But I do think it's a good good um, move to kind of go into that Chromatica box a little bit more, which is a little yeah. bit more easy to digest. Um, however, I do wonder what the future is for Rena in terms of whether she's going to settle into this kind of niche hardcore pop stan area or whether she is going to be able to cross over and have something big at this point I'm yeah. like I'm thinking sometimes it's a blessing and a curse having all the critics on board with you and having all the mm. big like snobby magazines like Pitchfork on board with you because it yeah. does automatically place you in a box and it kind of is like I can have this career now where I'm just like a critically acclaimed niche pop artist and it's fine and it also like limits you to another audience so I do wonder if that's the kind of thing that she's destined for now and she's just going to be like Charlie XCX which is not a bad thing at all but Mm. it does take you down a different road that's probably not going to put you on the charts anytime soon yeah, I think that's a really good point. When you get into this avant-garde, arty kind of pop space that becomes critically revered, it can be then difficult to go down a route that's simple enough for the mainstream to understand and simple enough for, you know, for the, for middle America to get, for example. Um, yeah, I think that's a really tough... Is that a, is that a swipe at me? <laughs> yeah, you are middle America. You are Karen, 47, from Kentucky. Um, yeah. <laughs> With your seven kids and a Tarago. I think it's... 
I think it's, yeah, it's a really difficult dichotomy for an artist to go down and it really comes down to, I think, what you want and what fulfills you. And for some artists, that is the, you know, that is the success and that is the chart numbers and that is the money. But for some artists, they only care or, or, or are motivated by making the right art. And I think, you know, Rena's probably halfway between the two of those because she is a smart pop star. Um at the same time as being, you know, a critically revered one. So that's a really difficult dichotomy to go down. I think I'm using the word dichotomy correctly there. It sounds right to me. It always sounds like a medical term to me, but um, I think you've used it correctly. Thank you. Uh, If you had to kind of put her, like find her musical soulmate in terms of somebody who's around right now, who's in a very similar box to Rena. Not that we like to box our flop stars in, but can you? Th- does but anybody know. come up for you immediately? That's a really hard question. Um, I would. Oh no, not really. I mean, I think the the closest I can get is Gaga, really, um, in terms of someone yeah, who's melting all those things together, level, isn't it? That's another level, yeah, in terms of her contemporaries, because I consider Gaga to, you know, kind of be more of a legacy artist in, in the arena sphere. You know, she has been kind of at it for 15 years now. Um, I can't, yeah, I can't kind of find her musical peers. What do you think? Yeah, I'm really struggling. I'm thinking fan base, and I'm thinking she definitely sits in that, like, um, PC music, Kim Petras, Charlie XCX, like, yeah, that kind of... Like, I can imagine also that people who like the Jessie Ware album probably liked this one as well. Um, but, yeah, I'm really struggling to think of anybody who really is doing what she's doing. She's making, like, very big, very high-budget-looking pop on what I imagine is not a large budget for... Like, her music sounds like it could be played in arenas, but, like she'd probably have trouble filling those arenas, you know? That's right. I think maybe there's a... Now I think about it, I think... And and this may be just from seeing these kind of fan relationships on Twitter. uh, I think maybe there's a crossover with, say, Blackpink and Luna. I think those kind of fandoms of that really sort of, like, fun, interesting, heavy kind of pop, um, particularly K-pop and J-pop, I think might cross over to, to Rena's fan base a little bit, but it's not like a huge yeah, that's crossover. Cool. But I think there's yeah. definitely something there. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Thanks so much. All right, um, give me a go of give me a go of your game. Are you ready? You ready to play? Yeah. So it's another song game. We're actually going to use the same songs as from your game. But the same Rena songs, that is. This game yeah. is called... I was going to X- say, no. <laughs> We're just going to do exactly just do it the again. same. Just the segment <laughs> again. This is called XS versus XO. So I okay. thought, you know, that's a song called XS. Beyonce has got a song called XO from the Beyonce album, the self-titled. Yeah. I thought, let's put the same Rena songs up against four of the best songs from Beyonce's 2014 self-titled album, Beyonce. Oh, shit. That's quite a battle for Rena. <laughs> this is going to be a difficult one, but I want to see if she can come out on top in any of these. Are you ready to roll? Yeah, let's go. All right, so from Rena, we've got Bad Friend. Yeah. Which Madonna would die for. That's, the, that's <laughs> now the brackets next to it. Versus from Beyonce, 7-Eleven. Ooh. 
Okay, so video, ratchet song. Yeah, and everyone was like shocked that she filmed it on an iPhone. Can you imagine if she's seen what Gaga and Selena have done with an iPhone now, or twenty of them in a fully lit studio? Um, (laughs) Look what you can do with your iPhone if you've got a budget of three million (laughs) dollars. In a whole world. <laughs> so much so that your iPhone becomes the least important part of the whole setup. <laughs> um, uh, X, uh, 7-Eleven, not my fave from that album. Right. Um, kind of find it a little bit like a jackhammer. Um, bad Friend, however, very pleasant, very unlike a jackhammer. So I'm going to go for Bad Friend in this one. Nice. Okay, I'll take you, you on that. I'm going to go 7-Eleven. Because I like 7-Eleven. Do you like 7-Eleven? 7-Eleven. Okay, like the chain one. or the song? Both. Big fan of both. What would you, I like what do you a get ratchet. at 7-Eleven? What's your, like, go-to? <sighs> well, normally, like, normally I just get fuel, but sometimes if I'm feeling a bit naughty, <laughs> I'll get a so... low-sugar Slurpee. Um, so they've got a series Can of low-sugar low sugar Slurpees. slurpees? So in Australia, I highly doubt it's in America, but in Australia, there's usually like, they'll have like a row of four Slurpees and at least one or two of them will be low sugar. Um, Because when you have a Slurpee, like it's just too much sugar in one go. Um, Yeah. So I like the low sugar ones. That wouldn't be here. No, no, it wouldn't be. You just get a Be like, here's one with eight times the sugar. Keep you going for seven (laughs) weeks. Double sugar. You get with that with that one. <laughs> Although the only low sugar ones I saw the other day, there were guarana infused, and I was like, "Oh, gu- gu- what do you hey, what do you call that thing? Oh. Gu- guar- guarana? You know the like? It's like it's like caffeine yeah, I think on steroids. It's yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, I don't want that. I just want like a raspberry flavor or something. <laughs> um, so that's usually my Seven Eleven order. Yeah. Okay, next one. Let's go. <laughs> we're back to sponsored material. Last week it was so the mattresses. <laughs> that's right. Although we've already been through about three different mattress companies on the show. We're a big... No, no exclusivity to brands here. Um, <laughs> all right, let's do the name of the game. Let's put XS up against XO. That's a hard one. I love one. that you left it. You didn't do it first. It was a little, like, yeah. teaser. Crowbar to um, Yeah, love it. Um, this is... You know, EXO again, not not my fave song from that album. Really? Um, yeah, it's fine, but I feel like it was a bit odd to have like a Ryan Ted a belter on an album that was so like edgy. Yeah. Um, Excess, however, perfect perfect pop song. I think one yep. of my faves of last year, definitely. So while I think X, it's not an easy battle, I think Excess is the winner. I. I agree with everything you just said, with the exception of, I think, EXO's top three on that album. I love that song. I think it's really beautiful. Really? I think it's no, magic. This is all that I see. I give you everything. Baby, love me like sound. I would, if you sung it, I would have liked it. That was yeah, beautiful. Yeah, true. No, I always provide it a better option. <laughs> um, let's talk about the radio hit that couldn't, Lucid versus Pretty Hurts. They've <laughs> been out a few weeks. Give me a go. <laughs> hey, in Australia, if you're not getting added as fast as driver's license, you're not getting added at all, Val. Yeah, that's the new standard. <laughs> Although, Australian radio did just add bang by AJR, despite it coming out a year ago. Okay, yeah. 
A little suddenly I see KT Tunstall moment. <laughs> what are we going for? Um, Lucid vs. Pretty Hurts. Wow, you're really picking all my faves from the Beyonce album. I know. Pretty Hurts is abhorrent, I think. Just all, just absolute dribble. Um, really coming, like, a C, I think it's a C, a co, right? Yeah, it's not, a, it's not a good one, is it? But, like, just not necessary. You'd, like... Yeah. Beyonce doesn't need to say something that obviously, you know. And she was obsessed with it. She would like sung it all the time and was like yeah. going on with that kind of um, pageant video. But just like an idea that's been done a million times before, not for me. Lucid, however, um, is for me. Love Lucid, as previously discussed. Big fan of Lucid. <laughs> cool. I'm going to take it that you're going Lucid in this battle. Yeah. Great. Let's go final round. Comme des garçons. That's French for like the boys, just so you know. Um, okay, versus... I actually did some time in France. Wee <laughs> wee. Oui, oui. um, bisous. Um, Comme des garçons versus drunken... <laughs> versus drunken this love. This gone. With Jay-Z. You won't be surprised to know we've nearly hit the hour. I feel, um, pe- I feel drunk. Yeah, but <laughs> it's the heat. I can assure you, I'm not. I'm actually very hot as well. I'm wearing um, like, like Uniqlo heat tech things, but we're inside and the heat is blaring. Yeah, you probably I don't feel need like, them. Yeah. Anyway, anyway <laughs> Tom de Garçon or drug? Just as we're clocking ourselves talking about absolute bullshit, we. <laughs> so you might be interested to know what I'm thing. wearing. Yeah, but you I'm told me before we recorded icon of about this them, podcast. So. After all, you are Pam. Um, <laughs> uh, come to Garcon versus Drunken Love. Drunken Love, you um, you've picked a goodie there. That's one of my favourites from the album, apart from Jay Z's verse, which makes him actually sound drunk. Um, <laughs> come to Garcon, one that kind of goes under the radar on the album. So this is this is a no contest. It's got to be Drunken Love. Good. Answer and I agree with you on all counts. Thank you. The above, with the exception Yay. of that from verse seven eleven. Um, all right, well, let's take one. a scalpel to um, to Rena Sawayama's album, yes, I love aforementioned this. album, and yes. let's talk about what she could have done differently if cool. we'd been handed this album in the boardroom with yep. Jamie and and Maddie. <laughs> um, going through the songs, what would we have picked out as the first single? Oh, that's a hard one. I kind of understand putting Shut the Fuck Up out first because it is edgy, but it's also poppy and it's like, you know, it's a good kind of summary of who she is. So I probably still would have gone that. However, I would have probably looked at doing it in a more grassroots kind of way and build up some momentum from there, put a couple more songs out. And then do XS. Yeah. So you wouldn't... I think XS came... Was second. it second? Yeah. yeah. XS followed STFU. A lot of letters going on there. Um, whereas I probably would have gone, put Comme Garçon out. Maybe put... Yeah, put Bad Friend out. Even Love Me For Me, I quite like. Yeah. Um, yeah, Love Me For Me stands out to me too. Yeah. I think those kind of songs set up who she is. And then you go in with a big poppy, you know 
fun bang with excess yeah. after those. It's. Uh, I feel like usually when we do these, this little exercise, it's usually quite easy to pick to pick what it should be. But for this, she's satisfying two different things. Like you've got very experimental and then you've got the very like straight up pop songs and the the gut feeling is to go with the straight up pop songs like Excess or Bad Friend. Yeah. And while I think Bad Friend has the most radio potential in my opinion, it's not a first, like it doesn't really come out with a bang. And if you look at the album, no other song smacks you in the face quite like Shut the Fuck Up does. So what do you, like, you can hardly resign that to track 11 and just not give it any single treatment. So yeah. I think she probably did the right thing, you know. Like, the, I'd, no criticism for Jamie, Maddie and the boys and, and Rena there. Very yeah. good job. Yep, I um, agree I think all I the should above. go on. I think I should move on to my game because we are rabbiting on. I love um, this idea. What's your second what, game? Well, yeah, well, you've been trying to hurry the episode along for for a good <laughs> amount of time now. <laughs> my game, which I'm going to pull up right now just to waste some more time with a bit of admin. Um, okay, so what I'm going to do, it's called What's Rena Talking About? So I'm going to read out quotes from her. She's talking about a famous person and I need you to tell me which famous person she's talking about. I can confirm we've mentioned every single one of these people on the podcast today. Wow. (laughs) This is going to be hard. (laughs) Okay. First one. I just would absolutely love to write with her, but I know she doesn't use social media, so my pleas and my fans' pleas, I don't know if it's reached her. Oh, this is hard. Oh, this is really difficult. I'm going to say, only because she's fresh in my mind and she doesn't really use social media, I'm going to go Beyonce. That's a good guess. But it's not. It's Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, damn. That's a really she's obvious a little bit one, shit isn't it? at social media, isn't she? Yeah, but she's like 42, so it's okay. Okay. Our calls are no longer than three to five minutes, but they're just like, I hope you're doing well and just always watching what you're doing and really happy for you. Ooh, I like that. Let's go with... Oh, Coulson. Who would spend no more than three to five minutes on the phone with Rena? I'm going to say Charlie's a nice, short, sharp talker on the phone. That's not Charlie. That's our mate, um, Elton John. <laughs> Elton! Spend <laughs> more hello. time talking, hello, Elton. <laughs> hello, hello Rena. I've got a couple of minutes for you. <laughs> hello, Rena. Elton here. Elton here. Can I give that song Bad Friend to my friend Madonna? Okay, Rina, I won't give it to my friend Madonna. (laughs) Next one. I looked up their training method. They do this thing called bel canto, which is an Italian operatic exercise. Her voice has gotten so deep over the past couple of years. And I just gave away the gender. Uh, Italian Lady Gaga. Yeah, that's right. It's Lady Gaga. Is it actually? Yeah. That's classic Gaga doing an Italian <laughs> vocal training method. <laughs> that makes her voice go deeper. 
Like I'm Italian. A deep voice is not really um, in vogue in pop music, but Gaga's like, I don't care. It's Italian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the final one is I've been listening to their debut again. I remember listening to that album at 12 and thinking, yeah, I'm a rock chick and wearing white tank tops and my school tie to Mufti Day thinking I was all that. <laughs> white tank tops and school tie. Tank tops, school tie. Brittany. Nah. Rock chick. Think rock chick. Um, uh, You've mentioned uh, her this episode. We've mentioned this episode. It's not Gwen Stefani. That was my first thinking. Pink. Uh, Avril Lavigne? Yeah, that's right. It's Avril. Yay! Well done. You did I'm very well. You got, you got two. Well, you didn't really get that last one. I gave you another chance. No, you're right. But we'll oh, do geez. it. Yeah. No. We've, we keep <laughs> the points very... <laughs> we're very good scorekeepers with this game. Um... <laughs> All right, let's bring this absolute washing machine of an episode to a finish. I want your, I want your best and worst song on the album plus a rating out of 10. Okay, this is a difficult one. I'm going to do the rating first. I'm going to give this, I reckon, a seven and a half. I think there's definitely some really shining 10 out of 10 moments on there. There's some moments I couldn't care less about. And I think it's a great introductory album to... And I know it's only the second one. I know it's her second album, so it's not technically an introduction album. But I think it's still warming up to what Rena really can be. And I I believe will be in the next couple of years. So I'm going to give it... Yeah, we'll give it a seven and a half, maybe creeping up to an eight. Um... Oh, best song best song is XS. I think it's the best Rena song yeah. ever. Um, worst song Again, it's only because I, I just can't find I care about it. Um Akasaka Sad. I don't think I'm quite around. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah, I'd go with that as as kind of my okay. my two. What about you, Sam? Um I'm gonna give it I think we're we're swapping from what we did last week, but I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. Wow. I think it's almost perfect. You're generous this week. I think it's so like widescreen and like so ambitious and like just maximum energy and maximum experimentalism, but um, put together with a really good dose of great, honest, straight up pop writing. So I think she just ticks so many boxes on this album Best song, um, Love Excess, Love Bad Friend, and Love Paradise in as well. Worst song, yeah. I'm going to agree with you. I think it's Akasaka Sad. That's the one I just, I'm not going to say it's a bad song. I just don't yeah. care about it. Yeah. I agree with that. Yep, I feel all of that. That was some good analysis. Well, that is, um, that is, is do you have any final words? Where does, I don't where have does any Rina... final words. I just feel like I'm excited about Rena. I think, like, this is a really great step in her career. I think this album will be looked back on multiple, multiple times. But I think she's got a seal, a massive ceiling in that she can still do some really serious damage in the next five, ten years um, yeah. as a pop star. And I don't think that we've seen her hit her height of, of fame or fandom yet. I think there's a lot more to come. I definitely agree with you. So our new um, segment, which everybody's very excited about... <laughs> Um, Actually, I had a message about it. Someone said they liked that we do this now. 
Okay, well there you go. Well, if you, I feel like if you're gonna make it to the like one hour and six minute mark, you need to be rewarded for that. Yeah. Um, so our flop of the week, where we take a song that we feel should be doing much better than it is right now. Yep. Do you have your flop of the week this week, or would you like me I'd... to kick it off? I liked how we did it last week, to be honest. I quite liked you going first. I'd like to hear yours. I do have mine. Okay. But I want to hear yours first. Okay. My flop of the week, um, it's a bit premature to do this to the song because it only came out last week. So yeah. it hasn't really... So <laughs> did mine, really to be honest. Time. So okay. did mine. So we're going to be on the but, same page. But I want to talk about the artist as a whole. Um, yep. her, na- her name's Griff. She's a British <gasps> musician. She, I think she's kind of wrapped up in the same management as Dua Lipa. Um, but she's got, she's got some, I think every single song she's released has been really strong. She just hasn't really, um, pulled through just yet. But the one she released on Friday, Black Hole, is very strong. And I think it could be the one for her. So let's give it the driver's license treatment. She was on the Zed record, Inside Out. I think that was his last single. Yeah. And just yeah, delivered one of the best vocal performances on a dance song I think I've ever heard. It was incredible. She's incredible. She She's produ- amazing. Like, she produces most of her songs herself. She designs all her clothes. She directs her videos. Yep. She writes her songs, obviously. She does it all. She's really good. She's definitely one to keep an eye on. My uh, flop of the week that I think should be doing amazingly is by Fat Joe of What's Love Got To Do With It fame, DJ Khaled and Amorphous. Now, this song started when Amorphous, who is, I think he's 22 or 23, um, he's a producer, DJ, filmmaker, writer, does everything. But he started going viral on Twitter and, and on TikTok for doing these mashups of really great R&B songs. One of the mashups he did was with yeah. um, a Luther Vandross song, mixing that with Kiss It Better by Rihanna. Um, Fat Joe came across it, was like, I'm obsessed with this sound. I want to do a record on the top of this. DJ Khaled came along for the ride. Rihanna cleared the sample. The estate of Luther Vandross cleared the sample. And boom, this song called Sunshine comes out last week. And it's an absolute smash waiting to happen. It's just a fun, breezy, kind of poppy R&B moment. Just like a real, like, bump it and ride kind of song and I think it's got the potential to do really really well it's number 195 on Spotify in Ireland at the moment and I think it should be higher than that in well, other territories and markets it's on its way but Sunshine by Fat Joe DJ Khaled and Amorphous give that a whirl I think you'll really like it it's got Rihanna's Kiss It Better in the chorus so you'll like Amorphous it Amorphous is great he's so yeah. good and that mashup is so great I don't like anyone could have jumped on it really and made it like made it sellable Legit. but it's so so good. There's something yeah. so nice in like 2007 actually, about it though, and I like that. It's, it's very, very retro. Yeah. I actually wrote an article about it uh, without realizing that Luther Vandross has unfortunately passed away. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> he is dead. So, RIP to Luther Vandross. RIP to this episode because it's coming to an end. Oh no, I'll miss this episode. This is one of my favourite ones that we've done. This is a good episode. <laughs> one of the most chaotic. <laughs> Definitely chaotic. 
<laughs> a little bit drunk. One of the few um, episodes that neither of us have been drunk for, but maybe the drunkest sounding. Probably. I've, that's and not that's true. I've never been drunk on this podcast. Neither actually, I, once actually. I was drunk. Okay. No, I was drunk what? once when we recorded oh, was it when the you were away? Uh, Katy Perry Witness one. That's right, because you were away at that point, yeah. weren't you? You were on holidays. Yeah. I've never been drunk yeah. recording this podcast. It's probably because we do it at 9am my time. So <laughs> one day I'll come in from Wouldn't put Fat it past Bender you. and we'll do it that way. Um, hit follow on Spotify, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts and make sure you leave us a review. Let's do a quick check if we have any reviews this week. I mean, you think when we're at the minute 10 mark that we just, we could leave this off. It's never fruitful. I'll no give you $100 if there's a review there. There you go. No reviews there. Literally, if you give us a review, I'll give you $100. That's a guarantee. That is, that's buying, that's surely illegal. (laughs) New episodes every Thursday Australian time, every Wednesday US time. We will catch you next week. Bye. I'm so good at crashing and making sparks and shit, but then I'm a bird, I'm a bird, I'm a bird.